What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pet. Today we are talking about safety. There's a lot of things that can go wrong in your Airbnb, and I've got two specialists here on the show today, Mr. Mike Brown and Federico Zimmerman. They are the founders of Pit Stop Home Services, and they provide safety inspections for short-term rental hosts. So we'll dive into this uh, topic uh, pretty deep, but uh, let me welcome to the show first Mike and Federico. Hey Jasper, how you doing? Good, good, good. Good. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you you guys here. Uh, um, I, I know Frederico for a while. He is uh, he works with uh, Mr. Steven Suarez, the host of the Let, Let Live Thrive, or is it Let Thrive Live? I, I was <laughs> Live, live and Thrive, <laughs> right? The podcast LLT, um, yeah. <laughs> LLT, right? Live Let Thrive, um, and uh, Frederico, uh, you're also. Uh, uh, you also founded Artist Rentals, right? Uh, property management right. Uh, company out of, uh, was it Houston or is it Dallas? Dallas. Uh, Dallas, that's yeah, right. Why don't you, yeah, why don't you guys give us a quick background, uh, Federico? Why don't you uh, kick it off? Yeah, absolutely, Jasper. So as you were mentioning, yeah, we, we've been in the industry for a while uh, in different fronts from education and sharing through Live and Thrive. And we have a management company with Steve, where we do both uh, owning, arbitrage, and management for our clients. And, you know, over the years, we started noticing that there was uh, a necessity for more education and standards on the um, maintenance and safety sections uh, or areas of, of, of uh, short-term rentals. And that's where I joined with Mike Brown, uh, my friend here, that he's also interested in that part of the business. Uh, to start this company, Pit, Pit Stop Home Services, um, to start providing safety certifications to properties as well as some preventive maintenance. Um, then I'm going to let Mike also give a, an overview on that. So, Mike, if you want to continue a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks again, Jasper, for having us. Um, I'm also here in the Dallas area. Uh, I've been a short-term rental host uh, now going on four years. Uh, my wife and I started this business uh, right after covid Um, So, you know, there are a lot of challenges with people trying to basically survive, you know, with all of the, you know, decreased bookings and canceled bookings and things of that nature. Um, And it really, you know, spurred out of the need for, um, at least at the time, you know, our our leases didn't overlap. And so we started out with using my previous apartment uh, as we moved into hers and it just kind of kicked off from there. And as it's grown and evolved, uh, now we're over 18 properties, uh, both owned. Uh, leased or arbitraged and managed. So it's a combination. So we kind of get three different perspectives uh, and we, we start to kind of build up on top of that as we start to build out our portfolio. But, um, you know, one of the important things as we're going to talk about today is just understanding the the critical need for more safety um, protocols and best practices in your short terminals um, that can help um, cause issues down the line and really being able to have preventative maintenance as well as a part of that. Uh, really just a foundation or structure for any short-term rental. Um, a lot of people focus on, you know, a lot of the amenities and how nice it looks. But underneath that, uh, another critical foundation piece is having this top of mind. 
Um, there's different le- levels and tiers to it. We'll get a little bit into that as well. But uh, I think we're going to get a lot of information, valuable information. And I think after this podcast, your guests are not going to be able to look at their short-term rentals the same ever again. So <laughs> sounds a little bit That's scary, but I, it's exciting as well. So <laughs> That's a bold statement. <laughs> yeah. I, awesome, I, I, when we share information, it's like we, we say we don't want to scare anyone. We, we don't want you, you know, to go to sleep thinking that someone is going to get injured or worse in your property. But the rea- reality is that, you know, accidents happen and they just to provide you with all the tools that, that you can to prevent that from happening. Or if anything happens for your guests to have the tools and resources to limit or mitigate any, you know, bad outcome that can happen in, in the property. Yeah, you know, when it comes to safety, uh, is there's what usually happens is something goes terribly wrong and then, you know, people that grabs people's attention and then they're like, all right, let's, let's fix this. Right. Um, and so, you know, like I think most hosts are not so not super concerned about a lot of, a lot of safety aspects because if nothing's bad ever happens, then you might not even be aware of, of uh, potential dangers, you know, like things that accidents that can happen. What, but, you know, just to, just to scare the audience a little bit, like why don't you share some of the kind of worst case scenarios that you guys have, have kind of seen in the industry? Well, uh, I mean, if, if you're on TikTok and, and social media, you probably saw that a few weeks ago, there was a big accident in um, the Smokies. Um, and we had, um, there was a um, deck falling from, I think it was like eight feet uh, because of the hot tub. So the deck was not prepared to, to stand the, 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 the weight. And there was a girl in the, the hot tub. Luckily, she didn't die, but you know she got injured. Um, so, and that was very recent. Um, but, you know, I can tell you, the largest, so I, I always like to talk about this because it's, you know, just to give you some perspective, what is the largest settlement on a short-term rental um, lawsuit to a host for an accident? And it was $11.6 million. And here, you know, Airbnb didn't cover anything. <laughs> uh, this is something that, that you know, it, it, it was uh, the host that had to pay and settle this this uh, lawsuit. And this, this was a story. So it happened at uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama where um, it was a house that had a, um, a pier to, to a river and it was shallow water and there was no sign that it was shallow water. So there was a group of friends, one jumped, dived, he, he dove in, into the water, uh, he at first uh, broke his neck because of shallow water. Um, the guy, he survived, he ended up uh, with a 12-hour surgery and ended up quadriplegic. Um, so, I mean, his life was, was ruined and all because there was no sign of shallow water, don't dive when the owners knew that it was shallow water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I wanted you guys to share kind of the, these stories is, is that this is something that we typically wouldn't think about, right? Like if you, if you live in that house and you're used to that water, like it's, it's just gonna, you know, you might not think, you might assume that everybody will know to check the depth of the water before you dive in right but you know that's not always the case so um so what yeah what can we do as hosts what can we do to just keep our airbnbs as as safe as possible good question mike do you want to start uh yeah so you know one of the things we always talk about uh when we get into this topic is just understanding that there are obviously layers um you know because you can obviously try to you know, foolproof everything, which is, you know, ne- nearly impossible. 
Uh, and so we want to try to find balance, right? Uh, balance between what your risk tolerance is as a short-term rental host. Let's just say if you're first starting out, maybe you're more established, so you maybe have you know more to lose, right? Whether it's a larger portfolio, multiple homes, whether you own them, what have you. Um, and then trying, finding a balance between that and also understanding what your budget can can sustain. Um, and, and I say that because, and I'll give you a couple comparisons going from probably easiest to maybe more challenging if you have an existing property, because that's probably the most, in most cases, uh, what people are going and retroactively making sure their properties are safe. So we can start on the lower end, um, thinking about small things which are less costly, uh, like, for example, ensuring that you have uh, carpet grippers uh, or rug grippers or tape. Uh, you know, sometimes over time they curl up on the edge so that could cause a trip hazard. Um, just the fact of installing a, you know, smoke detector uh, and CO detector in a home. Um, I was actually very, very surprised uh, as I start to, you know, learn about short-term rentals and the process of onboarding and things of that nature, how on many platforms, it's not even required for you to have that in the home, which is, which is out, it's outrageous uh, in my opinion. Uh, and this is why you hear so many stories of people you know, not waking up due to fire and having smoke inhalation or smoke damage and things of that nature and not being able to escape so on and so forth in time uh, or carbon monoxide poisoning. And so all of that could easily be avoidable by installing, you know, $50, $40 device in the home. Um, In addition to fire extinguishers, whether that's interior near the kitchen, um, there's obviously a certain placement that that has to be even exterior. Let's just say if you have a barbecue, uh, grill or a fire pit and things of that nature because uh, you want to be able to have access to these because you, you the thing about it is people don't think about these until it actually happens and usually in those scenarios it's either like fight or flight right it, it has to be very clear on how a person needs to be able to get out of that situation and if it's not clear more than likely somebody's going to potentially suffer because of that um because that this situation is chaotic right uh other things like if you oh, yeah, absolutely. Since you're talking about the fire extinguishers, uh, I'll say, you know, what is the common um, place where uh, hosts are placing their fire extinguishers in their properties? When, and, and most of the times it's done because it's a city requirement uh, to get a license if you have to, to get a license. And they put it under the sink, right? Now, under the sink, there's no signage. So, you know, it's hard for for a person during a fire to start searching for a fire extinguisher and opening cabinets. Plus, usually under the sink is very close from the fire source. So are you expecting for people to put their face near the fire just to see if the fire extinguisher is under there or not? People are going to run for their lives. And it's not the house. They don't mind. It's like, okay, this place can burn to the grounds. I just want to get out of here. So if you place the fire extinguisher with a signage, uh, if it's under the sink, or ideally, you know, where it has to be, which is near an exit point, three to five feet from the ground uh, within three to five uh, with the brackets provided by the manufacturer, that's going to give you more chances for the person uh, that is, you know, that is in, in, in the place to actually see the fire extinguisher and give it a try and see he, uh, he or she can put, put off the, the fire. One other thing I'll note on that too, I'm, I'm not saying uh, this is secondary. Well, it is secondary to safety because safety is paramount, but, even by having those types of things and all the other devices that we're talking about, not only can save lives, uh, but also think about less damage to your property, right? If they're able to save or mitigate further damage, 
Same thing with water leaks. I mean, you'd be surprised the number of hosts that could probably not, they, pro- they probably couldn't tell you where the water shutoff is at the house, right? Um, and so if there's a, a pipe burst or things of nature, literally every minute counts. So whether that's somebody that has to drive out to the property, whatever. So you could literally be saving thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in repairs by small mitigation factors like that. So I think that is a, a piece people need to think about as well. I want to go back to uh, what you mentioned earlier, because I never thought about that. But you said uh, something about the rugs and the carpets that you can kind of stick them to the floor. Yeah. So if you have an area rug on a, a hard surface, uh, like a wood floor or a tile floor, cement floor, if that's if that's the case, um, because over time and even if you have uh, there's another method you can use as well. If you do a area rug on top of carpet, a little bit more challenging, but essentially it prevents the I mean, the natural curling edge of the corners, especially if it's in a walking path, uh, people can trip over that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, so I guess there's there's different things that we can do, right? We can we, we, we gotta kind of have the basics in place, like the fire extinguisher that you mentioned and the smoke detectors and all that stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about the signage, right? Because the example that you mentioned um, <clears throat> where the guy got injured by jumping in the water, You know, having a sign there that says like, hey, be careful, don't don't dive, shallow water would have prevented that. What are some other examples of, you know, things that we should warn our guests for? Because we also don't want to have like 50 different signs because then, oh, you know, yeah. that, that's going to affect the experience of the guest, right? So what are some other things that we should warn our guests about, some potential dangers? That, that's a great question. And when it comes to signage, I'll say it's not only to warn them, but also signage that is useful in case of any emergency. So the first two things I'll say that you, you are required to have in order to be certified. Um, and, and we also want to talk about a little bit the certifying process, right? But in order to be certified, first of all, you want to make sure that you have an emergency card in your uh, fridge where you have emergency numbers and the address of the property. Because I can assure you that if there's an emergency, if you need to call an ambulance, the guest is not going to open your Airbnb app to find the address and the checking instructions. So they need to be able to locate that quickly because they're not going to remember that. Uh, and at the same time, you want to make sure that your um, the number, the house uh, numbers, uh, signage, there are numbers at least four inches and well lit. So if you call emergencies, they can actually locate the property easily. Um, other type of signage that is recommended to have is for pools. So the pool rules and, and the basic on the pools, even pool markers. So that's another very important signage uh, to, to, for people to know the depth of the pool. Uh, Mike, can you think of any others? Uh, in terms of signage, um, not really. I mean, like you said before, just being able to, to inform people of how to use things because, you know, we try our best as hosts to be able to, you know, be proactive and provide guidance. There's a lot of, you know, things coming out with digital guidebooks now. Uh, people used to have the whole the whole binder, you know, when you walk, when you come in and things of that nature. Uh, but either method, you know, just by default, people don't read, unfortunately. Uh, they're there to relax. They don't want to have another checklist or things to do. And so, I, I mean, we get it. Uh, but at least having that available, you know, and this doesn't necessarily mean, I probably should have started out saying this too, that it absolves you of any liability by any means. And one thing to, to make note with any of these safety certification, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're property is foolproof and quote unquote safe. What it does mean is that your property 
um, provides the best practices and guidelines that are conducive to a safer environment. Uh, and so that's definitely a thing to remember, because uh, as you know, we can't we can't prevent anything. But if we do our due diligence and try to be proactive in ways like we're talking about right now, uh, it goes way above and beyond what many hosts are already doing. Uh, and I think as regulations uh, continue to evolve um, and expand throughout the United States and other parts of the world, uh, we'll start to see these become kind of more standardized across the board. Um, so, yeah. You know, I had a guest on the podcast uh, a while back who uh, actually got sued by a guest because the guest tripped um, on on the in front of her house on the on the walkway because there was a, there was a couple steps, and you know he was arguing that the steps weren't well lit, so he couldn't see. You know, you could see it well. Do you guys have any recommendations on, on, on that? Like if we have steps on our property, like what's what, what are the requirements there to keep it safe? Oh, yeah. That, uh, there are markers. Uh, right now, I don't have my notes to tell exactly the, the height of, of any, um, you know, step that you need to mark. But uh, if when, when we certify a property, we're going to look for any steps that are not clearly uh, marked. And we're going to recommend to have it uh um, Mark, you know, there's trips and different things that you can put to, for people to to see where there are steps, um, and, and that's that's a huge one. Yeah, that, that's something that, that people even on even surfaces on on a, on a backyard. Uh, if you have a hole or something like that in the ground, that's something we want to look for because someone can you know break a leg, uh, stepping into a hole in, in in the grass in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Another yeah, example is uh, is on our property in Idlewild. I was, I was just there a couple of days ago. We're doing renovations up there, so I was just kind of walking around. The we've got quite a bit of land, and it's quite steep, and we have a, a creek as well. Um, there's lots of trees, and it snows in the winter, so there's there's quite a few things that could potentially go wrong. So I was just kind of walking around and thinking, like, you know, what are what are the the biggest hazards on on our on our land here? We do have a uh, one sign that says, uh, you know, walkway slippery when uh, when there's snow, right? And I looked at that, and I was kind of like. At first, I was thinking this is kind of like obvious, right? If if there's snow, like it's going to be slippery. It's like, do really, do we really have to warn guests <laughs> about that? But then I I realized that um, because uh, you know my wife has never seen snow in her life, right? And then I realized I was like, oh, but if somebody who's never seen snow, they might actually they might not know that, right? It's obvious to me, but it might not be obvious to to everybody. I think it's yeah. important for us to really. Um, put ourselves in the shoes of the guests and just kind of assume that the guest no, doesn't know anything. Uh, and, and then with that mindset, kind of looking at like, okay, what should we, what are the things that we should point out that could prevent accidents? That, that, that is huge. And, you know, part, part of the, of, of certifying a property is understanding the environment of the property to see things that are particular to that area that, you know, they're not general for every property, but are particular again to the environment and the surroundings of the property. Uh, which is not in a checklist, but it's something you want to understand and prevent. Uh, again, it's not the same challenges you have in a uh, place where it snows that, that in a in, in, a, in a, a water beach destination that you may have in in a city or urban area. So that that's for sure. And you know, taking it to the hospi- hospitality hospitable part of of uh, signing and communicating, you know, it's huge to understand that your guests may not know their environments around this and even things that are found inside the house that are new to them coming from abroad and you may understand this jasper there are things in america that are not found in other countries in 
in, in, other, in houses in other countries, right? GFCI outlets, garbage disposals, dishwashers are not very common in Europe, are not very common in Latin America. And when you have people staying at your properties that are from abroad, it's the first time they may see that. And, and you know, and, and having the communication ready or instructions for that is how you also enhance your uh, hosting experience. Right. Yeah, I think another another example, and you and I might have, might have talked about this um, before. I think there's something with the, with gas as well, right? Like yeah. if people aren't used using like a gas um, grill, right? That could mm-hmm. be that could be a potential uh, challenge. Yeah, man, I left the gr- so so I'm used to 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 cook all my life. I cook with with bar- uh, with charcoal, you know, coming from Argentina. That's how we how we do our our, our steak. And the other day, I left the, 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 the gas opening in one of the grills, and my wife's like, hey, take care of that, uh, because I'm not used to, 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 to that, right? And again, so I'm, I'm certified as a safety inspector. I should know that. But, you know, in the day-to-day, when you are having a relaxation moment, which is what your uh, guests are experiencing, right? They are with their vacation mind, and that's how it was. It was I was kind of a vacation mind. Uh, people forget things. And that's why you want to make sure that, for example your grill is not near a uh, flammable um, structure that it has at least nine feet overhead. And that's a very common thing. And actually, that's an, a, an, an accident that happened in Florida. They had a um, barbecue in a balcony with only like, like I'll say, um, six feet overhead. It catch on fire and one person died. So that's another example of things that, that, that happen accidents. So you want to make sure that if you're cooking, if you're having a barbecue grill, there's space on the back and, and, and above in case it catches on fire. Yeah, now that you mentioned uh, barbecues and Argentinian steak, I uh, can't resist but throwing in there a quick uh, travel, travel recommendation uh, for anybody mm-hmm. who ever visits Buenos Aires as uh, one of the best um, meat experience I've ever had was in the restaurant called La Cabrera in, uh, oh, in yeah. Palermo in Buenos Aires. Have you been there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was there uh, in, in January. <laughs> I went there with my, I went back to visit and we went with my wife and my father-in-law. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the best uh, restaurants I've ever been to. Um, but I thought what was really cool about this restaurant is uh, it's so popular that uh, there's always people waiting outside and they serve mm-hmm. champ- champagne while yeah. you're waiting, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you always, every time you pass there, you see a bunch of people drinking champagne. And I always felt like it's such a good marketing, right? Because everybody who walks oh, yeah. past is like, what, what's that restaurant, right? Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, there, are, there are two places like that. It's La Cabrera and Don Julio is the other one. Um, and actually this week I opened my, my, my condo for, for bookings in, on Airbnb. That is one block from that, that restaurant. It's already booked out for July. So I'm getting booking strong. So I'm very happy. <laughs> awesome awesome all right well this was a uh quick quick travel travel tip in there um but let's go back to uh let's go back to the safety um uh chat that we're having here so tell us a little bit more about the, the you know, i know you guys founded this company pit stop home services to to really help uh, uh you know hosts to keep their airbnb safe tell us a little bit more about your process and and how you can help hosts yeah so uh i can jump in here so essentially, uh, it's it's a subscription based service. Um, so and, and we have a couple of tiers uh, related to that. In addition to the inspection, so um, the 
the the more simple inspection is I think a twenty six point checklist uh, that our team will go through and evaluate the property on that's in accordance with the breezeway guidelines. Um, that's what our cert- certification is under. And then there's a more robust one that's about a eighty four um, point list item. And then there's another one that's like one hundred and sixty. So um, so there's there's varying levels. And so again, you know, depending on where that particular property is and their and their journey. Uh, and what their quote unquote baseline is, is kind of what we can re- recommend. Um, obviously, you know, in order to actually get the certification for the, the, the top tier one, there's probably going to be some, some financial investment that you're going to have to make um, to, to either making some potential upgrades, uh, which may be minor, but those little things can kind of add up. Um, but on the more lower tier, uh, a lot of things can be, you know, purchased at the home goods store kind of thing to be able to, to put into a property. Uh, and then just ongoing maintenance and preventative maintenance. So uh, whether that's changing out air filters, um, as well as looking at, you know, draining, um, or sorry, not draining, uh, snaking drains. Uh, just over time, just naturally hair gets clogged up in drains and you don't want to have that happen while a guest is there and now that's interrupting their stay and, you know, things of that nature. You want to kind of want to get ahead of that and just snake them as a, as a part of your your normal practice. And so we have a subscription for, for that kind of thing to bundle those things together so that you are proactively, um, you know, preventing things from happening on the property. Um, another piece to that as well is ensuring that, you know, just naturally over time, furniture also gets loose, right? Um, you know, the screws and then things of that nature and the bolts that go into beds and chairs and tables just naturally over time. Uh, and even over the course of a year, they can get loose just from, you know, all the traffic that's happening in those particular properties. And so one that can cause a potential safety issue if somebody falls or the chair leg breaks while somebody's sitting in it or just in general, uh, a weak chair leg or table leg can cause further damage to that furniture. And now you have to replace it. So those kinds of things uh, which go a long way. And, you know, unfortunately, hosts don't necessarily think about that. Um so we're bringing that to the forefront and really being able to have those that want to be at the top of their field, at the top of their game, uh, maximize their potential and and mitigate risk at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you have two ways to deal with situations uh, on your short-term rental like that when it comes to maintenance. It's you either fix it before it happens or when your uh, guest tells you about it. And, you know, option two is usually the worst one because that's going to affect your uh, reviews, they get experience, and you know that's not what you want to do. So the, the idea of pit stop home services, the pit stop, uh, you know, if, if you are familiar with uh, car racing, pit stop is when the, the the cars are racing and they stop for a brief moment, you know, to be serviced quickly and efficiently to continue racing. Uh, and this is the way that, that, you know, if you think about a short-term rental, it has a high use. You have turnover after turnover after turnover, and at some point you need to stop uh, for a few moments. Make sure that 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 that, that the short term rental is safe and that is well maintained to keep running without any issues, right? Because you know that, that, that that's the whole idea. Yeah, and and even down to because um, we have a partner that we work with uh, on the HVAC, plumbing, and electrical side, uh, evaluating those systems as well, uh, at least on an annual basis. Because you know when you think about a, whether it's a homeowner or whether it's a lease. Uh, you know, taking care of the property, even for those major systems can go a long way and help you identify problems before they even happen. Um, and even just taking inventory of things. So when we onboard our properties, 
uh, as a part of the the checklist is for appliance major appliances uh, on the on the property. You know, we get the model numbers, serial numbers, so we know the types of appliances they are. Um, and for the vendors that we work with, they're skilled enough to come prepared with you know the typical issues that may be happening for that particular model or brand, so on and so forth. Because appliances, a lot of times, those things you know are, are more commonplace for certain model numbers, and they know that, and so they can come w- equipped with the right tools uh, and really save time and, and money and be efficient with the process. Uh, at the end of the day. And for some systems, for larger systems, depending on the age and the life of them, uh, you can kind of know when they may need to be replaced. So for example, you know, you got a 22 year old ACE system, you may not even make it through the summer. So being prepared financially or whatever, whatever have you to, to be able to, to act on that and, or maybe even have the proper insurance or home warranty in place uh, to mitigate, you know, financial or major financial losses in that aspect as well. And um, if, if I have a moment, I want to give that comparison on the insurance that people always, uh, if I if I can. Um, Go so, for it, man. So, yeah. So one of the things I had mentioned, um, and, and, and Federico and I talk about this all the time, is that, you know, people always think that, hey, you know, short-term rental insurance will, you know, save me in all these particular situations. Uh, that may not always be the case. Um, and being able to have systems in place like this and best practices can um, you know, not only help you, but also help your brand uh, and potentially make you stand out. Um, I know I'm kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, but um, even in scenarios where you're working with more B2B, I know the the vast majority of the short terminal industry is doing B2C, right? Business to customer. But once you go to B2B, even if it's not a midterm rental scenario, uh, they're going to be looking for those things that ensure that their employees or their staff uh, are going to be safe, right? Uh, and if you can show that with the certification and the due diligence that you've done, I mean, you're already a cut above. But what I wanted to get at was with the insurance side. So there's a comparison and I, and I brought it up because I didn't want to misquote it. Um, that talks about the way that people think about um, wearing a seatbelt and the way that short term rental operators think about insurance. So in the scenario where you've got a, you know, a car driver and they say, hey, um, you know, the airbags work, you know, why wear a seatbelt? when the airbags can protect me if I get in an accident. Um, people have this protect or perspective of, hey, well, this is my car. Don't tell me to do, or don't tell me what to do in my own car. If I want to wear a seatbelt, I can wear it whenever I want. And the government shouldn't regulate, you know, if I wear a seatbelt. And then you also have the perspective of, you know, I'll never be in a car wreck. I'm a great driver. Only the people that get hurt are the people who don't know how to drive. And those are the ones that get in car accidents, which is a horrible perspective. But this is what this is how people think. When you translate that to short-term rentals, you know, people think that, hey, insurance will protect me. Uh, My insurance provider didn't say anything when they saw the photos of the property and the listing. So it must be okay, right? Um, Don't tell me how to make my home safe, especially for those that have lived in the home before they made it into a short-term rental. Uh, It's been safe my whole life that I've lived in it with kids, so on and so forth. Nothing's ever happened to us. So it should be fine. And then the last is, you know, the people in big government thinking, hey, the government shouldn't have any business telling me how I should regulate my property. It's my private home. So all those kind of perspectives. And, you know, there's just that small percentage of people you'll never change their mind. But those that see this and understand it and see the perspective, uh, typically are the ones that are going to make that pivot and do what's best for their guests at the end of the day. So I just want to share that. Uh, I thought that was like a little funny comparison. And, um, you know. 
see if we can change some minds. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I guess, um, you know, there, there's the there's the topic of insurance. And I'm sure there's, there's people thinking, well, I'm insured. So, like, you know, I'm fine. But then, you know, there's a lot of it, it's always better to prevent stuff than, you know, than even if you're predicting, yeah, if, even if you have the airbag, like you still don't where you want to get in the car accident, right? Yeah, and, and you probably you all know how insurances work, right? If, if they find that you were, uh, you're you not, comp- what is the word? So you didn't take the, the measurements. It's like, yeah, you're ne- negligent. It's going to flow on you. And that, that's a part uh, that's important to understand is, first of all, if you get certified through uh, us, we're going to certify you through Breezeway, and that's going to give you 10% discount on your uh, proper insurance if you use proper, which is already great. And it's going to help paying part of your um, inspection. And, you know, also there, there, there's been examples where people had uh, accidents in the house and the owners were able to prove that they were, that, that the house was inspected through, you know, a paper trail on emails. And with that, they, they got off the hook from uh, lawsuits because the house was inspected and the negligence were the guests. And that's also important, right? It's just understanding that. Taking these, these steps is not going to prevent ma- making sure that, you know, nothing will happen. But if something happens, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, not only you, you're going to provide all the tools and resources uh, and best practices to mitigate any issue, but also you're going to be covered because you are being the opposite of negligence, right? You're, you're, you're doing everything yeah. that you're supposed to be doing. And to quote, you know, the, the person who developed the entire curriculum for, for this certification is Justin Ford. Uh, I mean... Uh, and I think that what he's doing for the industry is extremely valuable. So I thank him. Uh, uh, and it, it is huge. And he says compliance is devastating. And that's something to keep in mind, right? That's the way he's, he put it. And, and that really stuck, you know, struck me. It's like, yeah, you, you think it's not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to the next door property. Not to me, but it may happen to you. So what was, what was the name of the person you mentioned again? Just, uh... Justin Ford. Justin Ford. Ah, okay. Got it. Shout out to Mr. Justin Ford. Um, let's see. Is there anything else that we should be talking about that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, I mean, there, there are so many things, you know, to keep in mind in, in your house, but I'll, I'll, I'll make sure, you know, that, that, that think about uh, you have all the, the, the best standards and pro- um, processes when it comes to uh, alarms, the smoke alarms. Uh, smoke alarms is very important. For example, you want to make sure that every that all the alarms are connected. So if it's uh, activated in the kitchen, it's also activated in every bedroom, and that in every bedroom it's at least eighty decibels. And that's something that we will be verifying if we do an inspection. Because another thing to keep in mind is that most of the people on vacations are drinking alcohol, and that's going to make them that's going to lower their ability to you know wake up if something is happening. Uh, I have a heavy sleeping. I slept through earthquakes and all that stuff, so I understand <laughs> that. Uh, so you want to make sure that people can hear that. Um, I will say, but uh, something I noticed, and you know, I love to go to Airbnb and look into other people's listings and see what people are doing, running comps and stuff like that. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a tiny bedroom with two queen bunk beds, so that's eight people in a tiny bedroom with a fan in the middle and no window. So no second uh, uh, escape route from, 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 from the bedroom. And a fan in between the, 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 the bed bunks is just, you know, an accident waiting to happen because it's going to happen. Because someone's going to jump from, from the, the upper, upper bed and they're going to you know, hit their yeah. head. And it's, it's been happening. I mean, there's been instances like that report on short-term rentals. Um, 
So yeah, what else do you have in mind, Mike? Um, no, I think we, we hit a, a lot of great top topics and points. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want people to reevaluate and look at their property with fresh eyes. You know, as, as a short-term rental operator, if you've been operating, especially out of the same home for more than two or three years, uh, it's probably time to have a third party come and do it because you just you get blinders on as as the mm-hmm. as the as the as the rental manager as the owner and so having somebody as a third party come in and evaluate the property uh, they'll be able to point out some things and you may not like it but point out some things that you should probably consider um, you know improving on your property to to add that value and also the safety piece to it. Um, you know, one of the big ones you mentioned earlier, which a lot of people don't think about, especially when they're taking on existing homes, um, is, you know, most homes aren't, you know, set up in a commercial way um, unless somebody's added on those kinds of amenities um, to to have lighting on the exterior that's kind of automated, right? Um, with the photo sensor to turn on, dust till dawn, all that kind of stuff. And so we'll, we'll, get a, we'll take on properties because we, we do management as well. And they don't have those kinds of features. And so when you think about a scenario where, you know, somebody's checking in late at night, if nobody else has been at the at the home, the lights are probably off. And you don't want somebody, you know, driving up or walking up to a completely dark home in a neighborhood they don't know. Again, we talked about trip hazards before and things of that nature. And so even small things like that, uh, we always recommend for our homeowners to do upgrades on uh, to be able to have that. I mean, it, it's nice curb appeal, too. Right. Um, and you just don't want to have somebody to just have the front light on 24 seven. Cause that's not reasonable either. Right. Cause what's going to happen is, you know, the cleaner after they clean, they're going to turn it off, you know, whether it's by accident or not, or the, the guests that left previously are going to turn them off. And then when the next guest comes in, they're going to be off. Right. So having that system automated in a way that nobody has to think about it, um, is, 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 is a great way to go. So anyway, uh, there's probably lots of more we can talk about. Um, we love this kind of stuff and we can get pretty deep into it, but, at the end of the day, we just want to be able to elevate the standard of of, of uh, hosts. So. Right, right. Yeah. And um, you guys, I know you guys are in Dallas. Um, do, you, is it, do you just have this service in your market or are you in different areas in the, in the, in the United States as well? We're starting right now in Dallas, but we plan to expand rapidly. So we have contact with all operators, larger operators that are getting certified to, to start uh, providing and, and you know, partner with us as well. Uh, under the same name, uh, it's the yeah. Stop Home Services, and the idea is to to expand this to to entire nation. Um, oh yeah, we're starting here in in the DFW area. Yeah, and if there's definitely also, a need with with someone that has a larger portfolio in a certain area or city, uh, we're happy to you know do travel to make that happen as well where where it makes sense. So, right. Awesome, guys. Uh, we appreciate you guys jumping on here and uh, sharing your wisdom. Um, so, again, for the listeners, Pit Stop Home Services, if you want to check out the, the the process and the inspection lists and, and all that good stuff, then uh, go ahead and check it out. And with that said, uh, that's the end of the podcast for today. So, again, Mike and Freddie, thank you so much for, for being here. And uh, to the listeners, thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another episode. So we'll see you then and have a great week. Thank you, Jasper. Thank you. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.